Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dad's Drinking Bourbon. If you found us on your podcast provider, I don't know what the heck you're thinking, but my name is John Edwards. With me, as always, is Zeke Baker. Say hello, Zeke. Hello. Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon. Wherever you are, thanks for making us a part of your day. And we have a special guest today, Zeke. Not only are we confined to the garage, and it's way too late at night, somebody also came from Kansas City to join us, and that person is Chrissy Martin, otherwise known as Add a Little Dab of Bourbon. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I'm super excited, actually, to be here. So, granted, we would have a nice bourbon discussion lined up, but, you know, I should clear the air on this, since there are at least a few decent barbecue joints in Nashville. How does it equate to KC? Oh, that's a... Oh, gosh, that's a really be tough br- one. Be brutally honest. We, we will be later about the, the Okay, the so to be brutally honest, it... It doesn't come close. Okay. It doesn't. I mean... Did you go to Pegleg? Did you go to Martin's? Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, Kansas City just completely trumps it on that. I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Hey, we we appreciate honesty. That's all I was going for. When you come to Kansas City, I will take you to Q39, and you will understand every aspect of why it will trump it. I mean, that just gives me one more reason to have a road trip. Exactly. All I know is that the bourbon is better here, and I'm fine with that. (laughs) Well, the bourbon from Kentucky is better in Tennessee, maybe. Yes. Or the bourbon from Indiana that (laughs) the Tennessee distilleries are putting out. Exactly. Who knows where we're going with that? We should probably end this conversation. Well, there's a few different ones that are doing it, so you never know. No. I just really want some barbecue right now. Sorry, John. I'm sorry. Here I am talking about a bourbon on a bourbon show. And I would have brought you some. Sorry. It's okay. Next time. I need a reason to to travel. Okay. But Chrissy, tell the folks, I mean, not only the cool thing about you is not only do you drink bourbon, you are a whiskey sommelier, which we have to talk about that (laughs) in a second because Zeke is still figuring out what this is, but you also do a food blog, don't you? I do. I started out my my whole thing when I initially got into bourbon was um, cooking with bourbon. Growing up, um, I grew up in an Italian family, so food is love, and you feed everybody. <laughs> you just make sure they're well fed. My gram taught me everything I know about cooking, and there was always adding a little dab in there, some way, somehow. She would always find a way to incorporate some little bourbon here and there. Well, if you can't tell by looking at me, my Italian side of the family <laughs> understands what that's all about. I think you could solve something that Zeke and I have had a, a, a pretty heated discussion about before. Zeke seems to think that using barrel-proof while cooking makes a difference. I think you should use 80-proof Evan Williams Green Label because why spend the money oh. and put good bourbon in when you're cooking? You could solve that discussion for us. It's kind of like if you were to drink a good bottle of wine and you cook with your wine. You cook with what you drink with. I will use anywhere from an 80 proof all the way up to a stag or a bookers at your, you know, almost 130 proof. So it imparts so much more flavor than people give it credit for. I have to go with Zeke on this. All right. Thank you very much, Christy, for joining. (laughs) Uh, We hope you have a nice night and enjoy your drive back to Kansas City. Oh, man. (laughs) Only the, the, the 32nd time I've been right this month. 
I'm, I'm not liking this Zeke being right all the time. The, the, you know, when you're cooking, it actually will, the alcohol itself will dissipate. And the flavor that's left behind is really beautiful. So if you have bourbon that has, and again, your bourbon has all the notes of vanilla, caramel, and oak, but there's other notes that you find within some of those higher proofs or even the lower proofs that when you really pair it with the perfect spice, it really will accentuate that meal. Interesting. All I simply (laughs) had was higher proof, more alcohol, more sugar alcohol, etc. Probably a better char. The char is the initial thing you want on the meat because that blocks in all your seasoning. And that was where my train of thought that was. was. <laughs> you were on a good path on that, though. And I just figured it all got burned away anyway, so why waste the money? You know, all I want was that bourbon flavor on that. The flavor is what's left behind. So you should just have a well-done hamburger with a nice sip of bourbon, John. You'll be just as good. <laughs> Way to go, buds. See, this is why Zeke and I seek out people that are smarter than (laughs) us, because we're not very smart on our own. I mean, except, sorry, I'm not very smart on my own. (laughs) Zeke is a doctor, so let's just get that clear. No, no, I have a doctorate. Chrissy also does something. Not only does she have a food blog, how can everybody find your food blog, first of all? Uh, Make sure to head over to alittledabababourbon.com. You know, go over to Instagram and alittledabababourbon, and uh, you can get the direct link to my website. You also do a thing called The Drinking Darlings, which is a podcast. So tell us a little bit about that, because... We know, you know, we've done some podcasts with some of those people and they're mm-hmm. they're a little suspect. So I don't know how you <laughs> hang out with them all the time. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about what you all do on your show because you're on our show right now. I know. I know. So um, the Drinking Darlings came about um, Chris, who has been my best friend for about 10 to 12 years now. She um, and I have always wanted to do something together. And then there's BG, the bourbon girl, as most people know from Instagram. So the three of us got together kind of like a kismet type of serendipitous, if you will. (laughs) And um, so what we decided to do is um, BG, who's new on her bourbon journey, wanted to learn and understand more. Chris, who is living in the heart of bourbon country, which is louisville kentucky she gives her perspective from kentucky she's kind of like on the front lines for us and then there's myself who has the food bug and also is going to school and right now at the whiskey marketing school in austin texas i just officially became a level three whiskey sommelier congratulations thank you why is it in Austin, Texas? Why is it not in <laughs> Kentucky somewhere? Can we- it's a great question. Um, but that's where they started it. It's um, part of the Wizard Academy down in Austin. So it is just a culmination of, you know, more than just learning about bourbon. It's the understanding of how to get out and market yourself, right? How are you going to get out and do tastings? How are you going to brand yourself? But also more importantly, how do you get to speak in front of people? Well, and the funny thing on that, and I know Zeke probably has a bunch of questions because he's very curious about what it takes to be a whiskey sommelier. He's brought it up a few times <laughs> over the past few weeks, but you know, I know I only have the the bourbon steward certification from you know the online course. I oh, don't have the yeah. one where you actually go and sit down at Moonshine University. Yes, I know competing places, and, it's and I'm not trying to completely different. But it's very centered around building a flight. 
mm-hmm. at least the online version of it. The same thing I think that you're saying from the whiskey marketing school is a lot of it is can you, I mean, I feel like there's all these multiple choice questions like, you know, what proof can you put bourbon in at? Okay, 125 mm-hmm. proof. People, people get that stuff, but right. the actual... How do you build a flight that tells a story that are you going to put it together by things that are proof together? Are you going mm-hmm. to put it together by region? Are you going to put a cast strength with a low proof with a medium proof? Mm-hmm. You know, what what is actually going to build up your flight? Right. Is that kind of what that's, you learned down there? That's part of it, as well as the other aspect of it. It's not just bourbon centric. I am probably out of everybody in the school, the most bourbon forward. I am team bourbon all the way. It's We have a battle team bourbon versus team scotch. I learn everything. And when you go, it's like a, it's two day schooling. Um, we go through probably I'd say like 32 to 34 tastings. And we learn to nose taste and understand the difference between a bourbon, a rye, a scotch, an Irish whiskey, Japanese whiskeys. So we really dive into the flavor profiles, the notes. How do we get someone to take that journey with us and be able to differentiate that for themselves? Do you have to get into like Highland, Lowland, Speyside, Isla or? Yeah, it's not. Unfortunately, it's not my strong suit because of the fact that I really enjoy the bourbon aspect of it more. You know, the story behind your scotches, it's so in-depth and it's a beautiful history and story. It's just for me, I also kind of go more to the bourbon side. So to, um, I guess, denote whether you're team bourbon or team scotch, I'm just going to throw it out there that team scotch has a pinky finger up while they're tasting theirs <laughs> whereas team bourbon has a free hand that has a middle finger up while they're tasting theirs that's just my perspective but that's where i would see this going real fast but do you know i i don't think i told you this i almost named so my daughter if we she was born the day after st patrick's day if she was born on st patrick's day i had my wife convinced we were going to name her isla we ended up going with Sophia. We were eight hours too late. She was born at 8.15 the day after St. Patrick's Day. And I tried to bribe the doctors to say, (laughs) can you just have her born on St. Patrick's Day? And it didn't work. It's too far off. We did what we could. Well, you are much more knowledgeable than us. And that's one of the reasons why we have you around. I mean, you impart that on your show, so it's time for you to impart that on our show a little bit. There's two things we're doing. The first thing, Zeke, there were people from the Limestone Branch Distillery that were nice enough to send us some of the 2017 limited edition Yellowstone. So we are just going to give a straight review of that. And then the other thing we are going to do today is that I was driving through Kentucky. I found some of the Jim Beam Distillers Cut, which is a limited edition. Around the holidays, it is a nice $20 to $30 bottle, depending on where you live. We are going to go ahead and put that up against some bigger ones like Booker's and a Knob Creek store pick to see is this something that is worth... It's Christmas time. It's the Mm -hmm. holiday season. It might be Hanukkah time for you. You're buying presents for other people. It's time to, to think about where can you actually get a good bourbon for a budget. So we're going to put that up against some bigger ones and see if we see a difference on that. What do you think? Yeah. Sounds like a winner. Yep. Again, thanks to the folks at Limestone for sending us this uh, very generous sample of the limited edition small batch Yellowstone for this year. Looking forward to tasting it. Um, I have not 
myself had any of their limited editions in the past i have had their regular issue and enjoyed that for where it was yeah you and i before we started doing this we've had some of the regular yellowstone together it's always been kind of good we like the fact it's resurrecting a brand which is something that's very popular that's going on right now so limestone branch was around previously it's kind of coming back that yellowstone brand couple fun facts on this before we start getting into it there are seven thousand to eight thousand bottles of this at 99.99 a bottle it's a limited edition it's 101 proof it's finished in wine casks it's a blend so it's got a seven and 12 year Kentucky straight bourbon which is sourced it's hand selected and then they are finally putting in limestone branch is finally putting in their own distillate in this so it has some of their four year Kentucky straight bourbon they put it in double season barrels some of these are charred oak wine barrels as well so there's a lot of different flavors that are going in this one at the same time which make it all interesting now for those of you that expect us to do blind tastings this one because they were nice enough to send it to us we are just gonna do a review on this one straight up we did save some though so that we can do some blind tastings with it in the future we did not drink it all on the first time so just know that we're gonna plan something with it going forward right zeke yeah we have some coming and sorry my my friends are lazy um georgia football is pretty big right now and i can't get them to pour many samples on a weekend it's gonna be a fun rematch I, I can't believe Kentucky lost to Louisville as bad as they did yesterday. That's all I got to say. Tennessee de-hired the person they hadn't officially hired. You mean Shiano? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They de-hired him. I think it's yeah. funny they still think they're going to get Gruden. So <laughs> I, I just want to forget our program next year. <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about this limestone here for a second because this is a unique situation in which the three of us all know what we were drinking. We can kind of just give it a straight review. So, you know, Chrissy, ladies first, guests first. Tell us what you thought about this one. Chrissy is a avid note taker on her phone. <laughs> Which is different for the dads that use a paper pen and we're we're a little old school. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, we like this. We like this uh, technology technology. advancement. (laughs) Yeah, um, you know, it was really interesting. It was on the nose. It was so light. You had like this sweet. I got like fig, followed by some floral with some herbal components to it. You know, like on the taste, I got some honeysuckle, some fig, rose tones, like, you know, floral. And then for me, the finish on that, there was like a bitter chocolate, like kind of almost like a baker's chocolate on the backside. So it was interesting. It was very unique, but short. I still got like a full mouthfeel on this. So Zeke, what about you? What do you get from this? Uh, very interesting notes. Uh, I think mine somewhat follow that with probably a, uh, a much more basic uh, equation. I uh, will say before I forget that I like the honeysuckle. I, I definitely can see that in, in the back of my mind now. Not something I would have placed beforehand, but being a little kid and tearing off those stems, um, that, that flavor is there. Like that, mm-hmm. that, that's funny to think about. Um, I definitely appreciate that note. All right, so a rundown. Uh, nose, I also thought it was nice. Uh, some sweet corn fired up initially, spice balanced in behind, and if anything, I would just say it was reminiscent of ripe fruit, palate, 
honestly, I thought matched pretty well. I put down just very similar. It was a, a, a sweet start into a big rye splash. Um, I thought there was decent caramelization behind that into some tobacco. Slight oil, nothing heavy, but it worked up a tad. And the rye spice was really just on the front. It dissipated well, just enough to kind of kick you and tell you it's there, but not hang around long enough to be that, uh, that uncle at Thanksgiving dinner you're tired of. <laughs> <laughs> Regarding the finish, um, I'll say it was short just simply because it, it didn't hang around. There was a lack of an oil or mouthfeel to it. But again, really just a nice balance of sweet into rye into tobacco. Three good phases and transitions and, and nothing that I would literally complain about at all. I honestly did not know there was any wine barrel finish until after the tasting. I still don't place it. For me, I looked at this, It the nose to me was earthy. It was kind of like being in a fresh meadow. I didn't get a lot of stuff from that. I'm trying to use Zeke's, uh, <laughs> Zeke's similes and metaphors here. Were there unicorns? There were unicorns. Um, <laughs> but it was kind of like being in a fresh meadow. It was a very fresh smell. It was very earthy, but it was not like grassy or mm. anything like that. It just, I didn't get a lot of super specific hints. You know, in my nose, it smelled fresh. I got a smooth front, spicy back. So I really got that first hit of it. I go, oh, this is smoother than I thought it would be. And then that rye spice kicked in and I really felt that on the back. It wasn't, like Zeke said, and like you said, Chrissy, it wasn't super pronounced. It was very short, that spiciness. It, it did not travel down my throat. I got some butterscotch and caramel, slight peppery spice on the finish along with the rye. All I wrote down for the finish was wine. And for me, it was the phases that you were talking about. I think I had that that earthiness on the nose, I really got that that two phase in the taste of the smooth to the spicy. Mm -hmm. And then the finish to me, it was that dry mouth, that wine taste. It very much reminded me of that Jefferson's Grand Selection that we had. Talk about the finish. It had that, that wine, dry mouth part of it that I, I could kind of, mm -hmm. that lingered where Zeke said, he thought the finish was short. I thought the finish was a little bit medium to long because of the wine. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where they expected the finish to be was more in the wine category. It was very good. I liked it. It's interesting because both of you said that like you got that rye spice. And I didn't find that rye spice. Nor did I get, like knowing that this was finished in wine, like I didn't pick up on that wine at all and to your point i'm not a big wine drinker so maybe that's why i didn't taste any of that or maybe that's where some of that floral sweetness comes into play too and which even on um one of the other products that we've had the, the minor case rye which is finished mm -hmm. in a wine and honestly we both you know liked heavily especially mm -hmm. for a two-year rye it's Love one of the few wine. things that i thought the wine balance was there but it was noticeable yeah but but this thing i I literally, if someone told me it was finished in wine, would almost say, show me on the label, I don't believe it. Right. I do agree with that. I believe that's something that we've picked up more because we have found so many finishes in wine lately. I mean, look at Belmede down the street. Mm -hmm. They have the sherry finish. They have the cognac finish. They have the Madeira finish. There's the minor case that just came out that has the, the wine finish. There's the Jefferson's Grand Selection. Mm -hmm. Wine finishing is becoming more of a trend, and we know that that means it eliminates it from being an actual bourbon. It is a bourbon finished in a wine mm -hmm. barrel. It doesn't mean it's not enjoyable. 
Well, everyone's been on that train, at least in my opinion, since Midwinter Night Dram. And then we've all said that's still the gold standard. Mm-hmm. That's Christmas in a cup right there. Really if it's is. a rye or bourbon yeah. and what kind of wine you're finishing it in, is it a product someone's going to pay into $100 for and, and, and not flinch or be happy about it? And it truly is and has been for years. Mm-hmm. And that's where you see all these other people trying to get in the market space. But, I mean, literally I've, I've had countless that, I truly did not enjoy, regardless if it was a rye or a bourbon, and regardless of the type of wine barrel it was finished in, they ultimately all failed to have a balanced taste. It was the wine always overpowers. And I like this one because it has those phases. The Mm -hmm. wine really is at the end. I don't really notice the wine before, but I really like the wine at the end kind of being the part of the finish. That's the thing I liked about the Jeffersons that when we did have it, the wine was more on the finish. You know, I I saw similarities. We should also mention that this is about $30 cheaper. So when we're talking about big releases that come out and we're going to get to that here in a second, that's $30 cheaper. In comparison? Well, so it should be said that Chrissy does have some of the Jefferson's Grand Selection (laughs) that she hasn't opened yet. So it's hard for her to make that selection. I know Zeke is not, Zeke is not a huge fan, which it's okay. Whatever that thing you had that was white wine finished. It's red wine. It it went through the roof of my mouth and out my nose. and It tastes like a white wine finish, but it's red wine. Okay. All right, so we have to move on. We We have a lot to get in in a short amount of time. What do you all think? Would you spend money on it? Just not even a buy bar pass, not a anything like that would you spend money on this in some way shape or form zeke i would um it's not an inexpensive bottle and i will even say i was prejudiced heading into this seeing the past two years releases literally it offered at what seemed to be stores maybe breaking even maybe taking a hit just to move the inventory so i had my doubts you're not going to be disappointing this you're not going to buy a case but it is truly a, a really good bottling I have to agree with that. Like, that's definitely something that I think for me, I'm one of those that like, if I hear that it's good, if I know it's good, I definitely want to make sure that I have it in my collection. Probably wouldn't be like an everyday sipper, but it would be one that I would not be feeling bad about spending that $100 on. So you have FOMO. I do. (laughs) (laughs) I totally do. Her husband is cringing over in the corner <laughs> hearing this. He knows. <laughs> it, it's much better to have a $100 bottle you enjoy than one you yes. pour just because the people that are in the room know the price you paid for it and you know how bad it tastes. Yes. Zeke sounds like he knows that from experience. <laughs> So I, I know I didn't get to jump in yet. I would spend money on this too. I think for the same reason that you guys said, $100 for a limited edition when there's other things that are coming out. We have, you know, Zeke and I have talked about a two-year ride coming out for $120. There are limited editions coming out for $130 and above. You see some of those big ones come out that are over that three-digit price point. I got to respect them for keeping it under. I know it's just barely under by a cent. It's the Walmart effect, but I do like the fact that it is under $100. It kind of gives it the fact that 
It is a limited edition. We know the allocation on it is going to seven to eight thousand bottles is not a huge allocation. It's less than George C. Stag. It's less than Al Young. It is less than the Four Roses limited edition small batch that came out. And the fact that they're keeping this at a hundred bucks and it is a good pour, I really enjoy that. And and also the fact that we don't know to what degree, but there is their own distillate intermingled here. That's always a good sign. Uh, you know, I appreciate it much more than the farmhouse we had from Whistlepig earlier this year, where they put in their own distillate, and it's still predominantly Canadian rye. I do like this the way that limestone branch is going more so than the farm stock. Yeah, that was in your month of bad purchases. Yeah, and I bought two yeah. bottles, so I don't know what was wrong with me. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them, the seal broke, so I am stuck. I can't even trade it, which is awful. It's sitting in my closet. The seal broke, and I can't even trade it. Ugh. Time for blending. Yep. Yes. So, moving on, by the way, I happened to pick up a Jim Beam Distiller's Cut, which we are going to go ahead and put against a Booker's that is about 127 proof and a Knob Creek that is about 120 proof, which I know that doesn't sound like it would match with 100 proof Jim Beam, but there are characteristics of this Jim Beam that are very similar to the Knob Creek, and let's go over those. So this is a, a limited edition Jim Beam, which is 20 to $25 on the price point, it is non-chill filtered, age five to six years. So the interesting thing about this one is that it's 100 proof, but it's non-chill filtered. So when you look at Knob Creek, the barrel pick, and that's going to be a Lincoln Road barrel pick because Zeke only brings out the best for this. And that Booker's, both of those are going to be non-chill filtered. They're going to be uncut. So we are putting those up against this distiller's cut. The age is probably going to be about half of the Knob Creek. So that Knob Creek is probably going to be a 10 to 12 year. This is a five to six year bourbon in the distiller's cut. And we also know that the Booker's there is normally eight. This label it? says six years, three months, and okay. six okay. days. Six, three, six. I guess that's the inverse of the three, six mafia. Six, three, six. So we also know the characteristics of this Booker's. This is going to be a six-year as well. So that's where there are similarities. They're also all Beam Suntory products. So they're going to have similar taste to them. We're all going to taste these right now. The good thing is, is that Chrissy's husband, Eric, was nice enough to put these together for us. So everybody kind of complains that Zeke's one is different than my one and my three might be different than Zeke's three. Eric was nice enough to put all these together. So we are actually talking apples to apples tonight and every single one is going to be the same. So we are going to skip forward through time. You're going to hear a tape fast forwarding. And when we come back, we will have tasted these bourbons. We're eating apples? Yep. <laughs> Damn. Ready, roll the tape. All right, everybody, we're back on Bourbon Talk. My name is Chrissy Martin, and, and I'm just talking about all the things from Jersey that make me just love bourbon. Yeah, just be glad he's not doing this. Oh. What was it, Britney Spears dances? Do you I know? really sound? There's no, no way. Nobody doesn't since he knows. I can't remember, but it was, it was bad one night. I was wanting for you guys to turn that around because I really wanted to see that. <laughs> no, we, we, no. 
no, no. So we're back. We did tastings. As you can tell from the way we're laughing, we have been tasting bourbon for a while. We just want to send another thank you to Eric for setting these up for us. But Good job, babe. we could talk about things one, two, and three now. Zeke and I don't always get to do that because our our ones are not always the same. So. So Chrissy, you were here first. You're you're the woman, ladies first. What'd you get for your number one? You know, number one, I get it's believe it or not, it's it's very soft for me on the nose, but I get some mint on the nose. This one was all the nose I didn't even really talk about too much because this was just the signature beam nuttiness for me Mm -hmm. and the second i took a sip of it i was just like i have a pretty strong opinion on which one i think this is which sometimes is wrong sometimes Mm -hmm. is right but i got the nuttiness that we always talk about when you think about beam with this one i didn't get that until the taste when i i got that like i got like that spicy white pepper taste to it and that's what i was like okay i know this one 100 percent but then when we went to number two, I was like, oh, it's one that you it's always... It's close. It's close, yes. It's close. Yeah. But Zeke always figures things out with his nose. So I'm interested to what Zeke got on the nose on this one. All right, for number one, I had the nose and a word was sweet. Palette, trending with the holiday season. Lots of spice. It did fade away. Decent to strong oil feel. Finish, I put Krispy Kreme Donut. <laughs> and that was it. Did you gather a good guess from this then? Don't tell us yet, but did you were you uh, able to? I had a good guess going through all three. I think it was more confirmed after tasting, but again, nose on these I mean, two of the three were so close. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you could really separate it. You had to get some palate involved. Which I think that is correct. I mean, when we talk about this and we always want to, I mean, part of the reasons that we put these, we want to learn more too as going through the process. So does proof really matter if it's, you know, plus or minus 20 proof? Is that really going to matter? I think it does because Mm -hmm. there are two of these that are very, very close to each other. And sometimes people think, oh, when you get over 100 proof, it's all kind of gravy. It's all the same thing. But I really can tell and that 100 proof tastes a little bit thinner to me mm-hmm. than the 120, the 127. So let's move on to number two because for me, number two, and Zeke, you'll go first for the third one. But for number two, still felt that burn, but it wasn't as prominent as the first one. I don't know if you guys got the same thing, but I, I got similar taste. It was very sweet on the nose for me. It burned, but it wasn't as hot as the first. Correct. I agree with that, but I also get a bitterness. Finishes out, you get like that big kick of bold and spice, but just for me, there's this signature bitter that sits with one in particular for me, always. My one word for this one was quote-unquote harshest. Not to mean harsh, but in perspective, harshest. Lots of words tonight, John. It's like a major league where he's like, easy, Wally, less is more. (laughs) (laughs) Palette. Spice seemed to creep up a lot more. The oil feeling did as well, and it just slowly built into a heat finish. Just strictly beam nuttiness. See, go ahead. Keep that trade moving. Three for the nose. I had 
more honey. Two words. Sorry, I branched out. Palette. Honey bean mix. Some rye kick that seemed to increase a little bit longer. As far as a finish though, very little oil feel and literally a honey beam. I don't know what they have to compete in the market of the, um, the finishes with the other products, but this could probably be one on the finish side. Might be too harsh for a shot in the front end, but I'd put it in that realm. So Chrissy, we heard what Zeke said. We heard what I had to say. Would you get on the third? The third for me was the sweetest out of all of them not as uh, stringent not as alcohol forward on the nose um, but it's a sweetness kind of almost like a candy apple it followed through on the taste and the finish for me it was just sweet uh, bread pudding with some raisins that was just something that just came very forward to me not a lot of spice something that i could see throughout the holiday season but it was not, I mean, I got a lot of spice on the finish. I did not. It was the smoothest on the front end for me. So it makes Very me smooth. think yeah. that one was the lowest proof. I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing. I could just kind of tell that it didn't have as much kick as the other mm -hmm. ones. I really enjoyed it, though. I liked the spiciness of it. Like Chrissy said, I did like those those different spices that came in. I did get a little bit of honey on that too. So I like the complexity. I always like a bigger kick, but it, it was good. It was the perfect amount of kick, mm -hmm. I think, in that one. So Chrissy, you go first. Give us your three guesses and give us your ranking before we say what. Okay. Um, I felt number one was Booker's. Number two was Knob Creek. And number three was the distiller's cut. I'm a Booker's girl, so that was probably my favorite, if that's really what it was, if it wasn't. Zeke, what do you, what do you get? I was a little inverse. Three I had as being the distiller's cut, although I felt like number one was probably the Knob Creek pick, and number two was the Booker's uh, just the way that the heat seemed to creep up, build over time, and, and really the, the finish on number one honestly it was a crispy cream donut to me that to me that defines a store pick and uh it's not like lincoln road will have a bad one no and and that's kind of what i debated with i i think we all were in the same realm in which we were really torn between you know one and two mm -hmm. being the bookers and the knob creek but i think we could all agree that number three was the distiller's cut zeke like you i would tend to think i can't imagine jamie ferris picking something that did not taste amazing and that had some harshness to it that 127 proof i think it's 127.6 or four that's on there um in that Booker's, it is a little bit harsher than what the Knob Creek would be. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I tend to think that number one was the Knob Creek and number two was the Booker's. I think that harshness of the number two that Zeke, you spoke of, is that Booker's, is that higher proof mm -hmm. that's in there. Down at Lincoln Road, they're going to go find something that has that distinctive taste on that. So I would, I would agree with you on that one. I think it's time we, we don't let him behind the microphone too much, but it's time we let Eric come over to the microphone, speak into that mic clearly and say which ones we have. Yes. Well, thanks very much, guys. I appreciate you letting me kind of be. This is a lot of fun, but you are the um, judge, jury and executioner. <laughs> I am the judge, right jury, and, and, and I'm also the husband of a <laughs> sommelier, so I get to do a lot of blind tastings. But, but you have to drive home with her I if she's do. wrong. <laughs> 
and, and unfortunately, I'm the bearer of bad news that um, she was the only one who was incorrect on this. So the first okay. one was Knob Creek, the second one was Booker's, and the third one was Jim Breen, Distiller's Cut. Does that make you think a little differently about your Booker's? Yeah, because what's interesting is the Knob Creek's that I have had, what is very distinct to me is that bitter aftertaste. And that's why I went with number two. I was back and forth between them, but I just kept getting that bitter aftertaste that I always would find with a Knob Creek. Interesting, because I debated myself, but on the front end, the nose on what was the Booker's really opened up over time as I, as I kept sniffing later. I was like, did I mess myself up? But what I convinced myself with, with was the finish. And it, I mean... I, I just get a, a big, fresh, yeah. hot, neon sign of honey-glazed mm-hmm. donut ready. Come get me. Like, yeah. just goodness. I can to- I, and I can totally see that. But, <laughs> like, there's, for me, like, every Knob Creek I've ever had has been a bitter, sour finish to me. And I get that on that number two. And that's that's why I was like, okay, this is it. This is it. And that is what it is. I wish I could get a neon sign like that and look skinny like you. <laughs> John, we'll, we'll get you a neon sign that says fresh hot. I don't know how well it'll fare, but we'll get you one. So, Too bad you don't have a dog anymore. So, Eric, how often is she wrong? That's what that's what I want to know. Does this happen often? No, actually, she's pretty good. We do a lot of these blind tastings for fun at home, and usually she's spot on. I'm, I'm pretty bad, actually. <laughs> Can you please attest before we leave that, that you are a fair and impartial jury because I feel bad that she came into our home court. No, <laughs> no, but no, that's... I absolutely do. And we do this a lot at home, right, Chris? I mean, we, we play this game, and, and your podcast is kind of an inspiration for us, and we like to do this. And it's always interesting what you get. And I think it goes. It speaks to kind of what we talked about and what you guys have spoken to is some of these, these barrel picks, it's fascinating how different yes. they are and how more complex they can be in the original. And if we could inspire one youth in America, <laughs> we know what But, but also, I think it, it goes back to the point of how subjective taste is. And when you have, you know, one particular bourbon that just sticks with you like that, it's kind of hard to move past that and look at the other components. And that's kind of like, for me, I don't look at it as wrong. It's that component in which it's stuck with. Well, and you learn something new. Yeah. Which is, so, so distiller's cut, 20 25 bucks. I don't think, my personal opinion, Jim Beam did not send it to us. We we do have to make a disclaimer that Limestone Branch sent it to us, but that would not change our opinion in any way. We would always give an honest opinion. We did really like it. Jim Beam, I bought it in the store myself. 20 to 25 bucks. We we also bought the Dom Creek and we bought the Bookers ourselves. I think at 20 to 25 bucks, it's it stands up pretty well against those. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. I think that Dom Creek being the barrel pick and that Bookers was not a barrel pick. We know that there is a disparity there. But for 20 to 25 dollars, if you see the distiller's cut in a store, I would go pick it up. I yeah. I, it, it's holiday season. Lots of sugar, caramelized pastries, pies, whatever you want to call them. 
it is dessert season. Mm-hmm. This will pair really well. So well. And you won't feel bad when you pour it for your relatives <laughs> that you may or may not like. That's true. <laughs> and and I think that's always something that's hard around this season is you want, you know, what's a gift that you bring to someone's house? This is a limited edition. It's not going to be released all the time. I always say go with a good store pick. You can get a Buffalo Trace store pick. You can get you know, a, a 1792 full store pick, mm-hmm. something that isn't going to break the bank and that's going to be under 20, you know, under $50. This is actually at $25. And I think it's a very solid, you're not going to be ashamed to bring this over because you know they just can't get it anywhere. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great pick. And you're not going to be ashamed if the bottle's gone when you go home. Exactly. Nice. All right, that's going to do it for us. If you want to learn more, go ahead and find us on Twitter at Bourbon Dads. Find us on Instagram at Dads Drinking Bourbon. Find us on Facebook at Dads Drinking Bourbon. We're going to find other ways. We're also on YouTube. We're on Apple. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. And we have a very great guest, Chrissy Martin, who's here with us. Where can they find you? You can find me over on the Instagrams at a little dab of bourbon. Uh, check out my website, littledabberbourbon.com. Also on Facebook, uh, Little Dabber Bourbon. And the Drinking Darlings on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. All that fun stuff. All the good stuff, yeah. We Everywhere. have dadsdrinkingbourbon.com, but we don't have enough good pictures of Zeke and I together, so it's just kind of there. <laughs> We're still waiting on the big group hug. <laughs> And if anyone wants to find me, I'm, I'm going to be exploring what Chrissy posts as far as bourbon and cheese. I think <laughs> cigars are too heavy. Salted meats, I can't get behind. But who doesn't love cheese, as my father has said my entire life? Well, we are very interested to see. I think that bourbon pairing, just like wine pairing, is going to be the wave of the future. So we are looking to see where Chrissy takes that. And she's going to start her own school as to how to start pairing bourbon with food yes but for that that will do it thank you all for joining tune in again we'll see you all next week bye ciao cheers